Ryan Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living podcast. The podcast, is, the purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. And there's an elder care lexicon on our website at manchesterlivingpodcast.com. There's also a window watcher behind me. So if you see someone waving, that's what that cord is. Just noticed. <laughs> Today we're talking about ombudsmans and the ombudsman program. Um, ombudsman is actually a Scandinavian term for advocate. So we have a lot to get to today. First, we're gonna go to new and noteworthy, a clip of an elder angler. You wanna roll the clip? All right, well, when you have the fishing gene and you're an angler, you'll do what it takes to catch your fish. Um, I'm excited to have my two guests here today, Susanna Sulfstead. Did I get that right? Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, Director of the Long-Term Ombudsman Program for the Senior Source. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, Lauren Smith, aging care advocate and owner of the Legacy Aging Advisors. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Let's get to this. Okay. What is an ombudsman? What does an ombudsman do? And how are you compensated? Do you want to start? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the long-term care ombudsman program is both state and federally mandated to advocate for the quality of life and care for individuals who live in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Ombudsmen work to resolve problems that individual residents may face, as well as to affect change at the local, state, and national level to improve quality care for all residents. Um, we spend most of our time working to ensure that residents' rights are protected, and we do that by making regular unannounced visits to the facilities where we're going room to room, talking with the residents about their care, and then working to identify and resolve those complaints on their behalf. And you have full access to facilities. Absolutely. You're federal like, law. You're like the game warden of elder care. Yeah. yeah, so federal and state law require that all facilities ensure that residents have access to the ombudsman program and that's what gives us the authority to be able to go into these facilities. Right. Okay. Are ombudsmen assigned to a licensed facility only or do they report or are you overall? So we serve all licensed nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Okay. So the unlicensed care homes that only have like three residents, they're not in your program. That's correct. We don't have any jurisdiction. Interesting. Okay. Are, are ombudsmen's employees of facilities? No, and I get that question a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm meeting new residents and families, they're like, where's your office here in the building? And I let them know very quickly that I'm independent from the facility. Um, most ombudsman programs are housed in their local area agency on aging or AAA. Here in Dallas County, the AAA has actually chosen to subcontract that program out to the senior source, which is a local nonprofit. So that's where I'm housed. And so completely independent from the facilities. We're a resident directed program. So I also I'll tell the residents that I work for them. You're my boss and mm -hmm. they love hearing that. And so any action that I take, any conversation that I'll have with the facility about a concern, it's at the direction of the resident. We have very stringent consent and confidentiality requirements, and we actually have to have consent from the resident before we take action. If a resident is nonverbal mm -hmm. or non-communicative, can you, do you reach out to their family? What you... Absolutely. So in those situations, we're especially concerned about those residents, right? Because they're not able they to speak up for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're going to check to see if they have a legally authorized representative. Do they have a power of attorney? Do they have a guardian? And if so, then we're going to reach out to that individual and talk with them, let them know who we are, see if they have any concerns for us to address, or if we've noted concerns from our own observations, 
we'll work at their direction what they want us to do. How can a family member find out about the program and who, what ombudsman is assigned to each facility? Mm -hmm. So facilities are required at the time of admission to provide information about the ombudsman program, but you know, that's such an overwhelming time and process, right? Lots of paperwork being Mm -hmm. put in front of the resident or families. And so facilities also are required to post information about the ombudsman program in a conspicuous location where it's easy for residents and families to see that. They're also here in Texas required to post information about the ombudsman program on the business website. So all licensed nursing homes and assisted living facilities are required to post that. Here in Dallas County, they can contact the senior source and we'll be able to get them connected with the ombudsman who's assigned to their facility. Um, If they live outside of Dallas County, they can reach out to their local area agency on aging and they'll be able to help them with that. Um, Lauren, when might a family member want or need to call an ombudsman? That's a great question. So for me, it comes up a lot of times around that facility selection process. So when they're navigating the long-term care process, understanding the difference between assisted living and the nursing facilities, and then ultimately when they're trying to make that decision, right, maybe they've narrowed it down to a few different facilities or they're looking to understand, hey, what are the options in my area? Um, Then that's when I would say, hey, let's reach out to the ombudsman program let's ask some of those important questions. And, you know, they can't recommend a facility. You can't provide a recommendation or a referral, but we can ask some questions of the ombudsman program, like, hey, what are the concerns you're seeing come up at that facility? What's the turnover look like at that facility? And then also, what is the administration's response to those concerns? Inevitably, concerns are gonna come up anywhere, no matter how high performing a facility is. So I think it's important to just understand what their response to that is, and then also what their response to the presence of the ombudsman is. To me, that's a big indicator as well on their communication and how those concerns are ultimately gonna get resolved for the betterment of the facility and the residents. If a family (laughs) member brings a concern or a complaint to you or the ombudsman program, what happens to that? Yeah, so first we're going to listen. We're going to listen to what that individual has to say, and then we're going to ask some questions to make sure that we have all of the relevant information that we need to start our investigation. One of the questions we're going to ask is tied to that consent because that is critical. And that consent includes, are there certain people on staff that they're okay with us talking to? And are there some that they don't want us to talk to? Because sometimes residents and families have a more trusting relationship with certain facility staff and not others. And so we want to make sure that we're very clear in our understanding of who they want us to talk to about a concern. We're also going to go to that resident. So when a family member reaches out to me with a complaint about care at a facility, I'm going to take that information and then with the family member's consent, I'm going to let the resident know that I've received a concern from them and I'm going to follow the resident's direction to the extent that he or she's able to direct what they Mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, as we're getting these complaints, we're going to assess the situation, recommend possible courses of action. Maybe it's taking it to the administrator, working it through with that individual, or maybe they have somebody else designated at the facility that we're going to work with. Depending on the severity of the complaint and if it's a regulatory violation, if the family or resident wants us to, we will help them file a complaint with the state regulatory agency. Um, Sometimes we may need to bring in other outside agencies to help look into a complaint. So it really depends on a case-by-case basis. One of the questions I had is, what are the residents' rights? But I really, I guess what I really want to know is, are they, can they complain to an ombudsman about anything, the air, the food, 
all the way up to absolutely. their squeeze them on too tight. Yes, so absolutely, the and they do absolutely. So, as ombudsmen, we're there to address any concern that's related to their life there at the facility, whether it's the care or the quality of life, how they're treated. We're a resource to get those addressed for them. As far as our rights. The residents have the same rights as we're all afforded under our constitution. And so those rights don't stop when an individual moves into an assisted living or a nursing facility. And that's, that's it, period. And so it's important to know that for the ombudsman program, I feel like it's so underutilized and I'm so glad we're talking about it today because it is where the ombudsman goes room to room to understand exactly what kind of care they're experiencing, exactly what their day has been like, to make sure that they're, at the end of the day, treated with dignity and respect, and to make sure that they can voice those concerns without fear of retaliation or retribution. And those are two of the biggest resident rights to me that I just, I feel like are so important. Yeah, I get a lot of comments from families that are moving into Manchester that are at another facility and they say, well, I know we have 30 days, but we don't want to tell them. We don't want retribution. We don't want, I'm like, right. I don't think they're going to treat your mom or dad any different in the next 30 days than they have before. But I want people to know that's a concern. Mm -hmm. It is a concern of families where they're worried about retribution. Oh, absolutely. That fear of retaliation is real. And I think it's increased since COVID, right? Especially when family members were not able to get into right. the facilities and check yeah. on their loved ones in person. And the residents were at the mercy of the staff. They are providing care. And so we have seen an increase in that fear of retaliation. And our consent and confidentiality requirements, that really stems from that fear of retaliation and protecting residents. That mm -hmm. way they're afraid if they complain mm -hmm. that the staff will do something to get back at them or stop providing care. And so for, for us, sometimes when residents or families bring concerns to our attention, they don't want us to take action because of right. that fear of retaliation. And so in that situation, we might talk with other residents. We're never gonna share the conversation that we had with the initial mm -hmm. resident or family, but we may ask additional questions to other residents to see if other individuals have had a similar experience. And if we identify that there's more of a systemic issue going on within a facility where multiple residents are having the same concern, we can then address that as our own complaint. It protects the resident and the family. It takes the heat off of them. It doesn't identify them. It keeps them anonymous, but it allows us to still address that concern as a systemic issue within that facility to try to get it addressed and improve that quality of life and care for all the residents there. I love it. All right, Lauren, I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Okay. Complaints that are non-facility related concerns, thoughts, issues from home health, hospice, private duty. Absolutely. Where do those families go to air their- Yes, that's a great question. They can contact HHS and lodge a formal complaint if they wanna do that. Health and Human Services. Yes, Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a great opportunity to also have a care plan meeting with the facility, with potentially the ombudsman as well, and those outside care providers, just to get everybody on the same page and see if it can get resolved before going to that next sure. step. Continuity of care. So Absolutely. Um, does your program provide any training to staff on site or after the fact or like in-service events? Absolutely. Yeah, ombudsmen are available to provide in-service training for the facility staff. Um, some of the trainings we've provided in the past, abuse and neglect, residents' rights, certainly, um, provide training about the ombudsman program so that the mm -hmm. staff in the facility know who we are when we're coming out and making our visits. Um, really, anything resident-directed care, 
yes. sexuality and long-term care, anything related to the residents' care there, we can be a resource. I've to, seen them also training. provide training over dementia as well, just educating yeah. staff on how to communicate with other residents with the diagnosis and just best practices as well. Good information. Very helpful. Lauren, what haven't I asked you that I should? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just remembered a story working with a client that was in an assisted living and ultimately they were having pest control concerns and they were having roaches in their apartment and had attempted to address that with the facility staff themselves, could speak for themselves, but ultimately it wasn't being addressed. And so I suggested that we contact the ombudsman program. We were able to meet with them and get their consent. And the ombudsman was able to not only address that one resident's concern, but also find out that it was a systemic issue. It was happening across the facility and then address that in a, in a widespread way that the resident wasn't able to himself. If that makes sense. See something, say something. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so I think it's just so important. Thank you. What haven't I asked you that I should? Well, I just think I would like family members to know that they are not alone. Mm -hmm. It's such an overwhelming time, an emotional time, placing a loved one in a facility. And then certainly if there are concerns there and I encourage them to talk to other family members in the facility, find out if there's a family council, which is a group formed with the purpose of, you know, family members who all have loved ones there at the facility. It's a great opportunity to provide support to each other. And then certainly if they have concerns to be able to voice them as a group rather than yeah. individually, but then also just to remember that the ombudsman program is here as a resource for them. Yep. Yeah. And here in Dallas and here in every city in the country. Yes, absolutely. Great to know. Thank you. All right. On to the nugget portion. This awesome. is a, a meme that somebody sent me that I had to share with you. It says why you shouldn't wait until retirement to start traveling. Um, I, I love the visual and that's what your rainy day fund is for. Spend it. Don't let it turn into inheritance. So on to the lightning round, you guys, one word okay. answers. This is okay. an opportunity for viewers and listeners to get to know you guys on a okay. personal basis. Okay. We're going to start with Lauren and move on to Susanna. Where were you born and raised? Chandler, Texas. Dallas, Texas. College and degree. University of Texas, social work. University of Arkansas. Psychology, woo pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Road trip or fly? Road trip. Road trip. Still in touch with childhood friends? Yes. Yes. Ever broken a bone? No. No. Mm -hmm. Call or text? Call. Text. Uh, bilingual? No. I wish. Mm -hmm. uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Rocky Road. Ikea furniture, self-assemble or outsource? Self-assemble. Self-assemble. I'm impressed. Android or iPhone? iPhone. iPhone. Sushi, love it or hate it? Love it. Love it. Karaoke, yes or no? Many years ago. I wish. <laughs> Teacher's pet or rebel? Rebel. Teacher's pet. Hmm. If you could be a contestant on Survivor, would you go and would you win? Yes. Yes. Proudest career accomplishment? Me first. Okay. I think just growing the program as much as it's grown over the years during my tenure. That's great. Starting my own business and serving the community. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you both for sharing your knowledge and expertise about something I didn't know much about. I'm sure viewers didn't as well. The Ombudsman Program. Um, I'm going to put up both URLs for both of you okay. um, on, on the screen so people can check out your websites. Right. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you for watching today. If there's um, anything I can ever do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. You can also find this episode and all past episodes on the Manchester Living Podcast.com, Facebook, YouTube, 
iTunes or anywhere you get your social media. Thanks for watching today. Thank you.